0: HomeStyle Green episode 190. What can we learn from over 30 years of air tightness testing and quality control in the UK? Welcome back to another episode of HomeStyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. I'm fresh back from the Passive House Conference in Heidelberg which was a great chance to catch up with some of the world's leading experts in Passive House and all things high-performance building. One of those people was Paul Jennings, who I sat down with after one of his presentations where he shared some of the learning from over 30 years of experience testing the permeability and airtightness of UK buildings. Now, this is very relevant to us here in New Zealand and Australia, because some of these buildings were facing and still do face some very similar challenges like uh, fuel poverty and mould and lack of adequate ventilation. Now, there is a bit of background noise uh, here, which happens when you um, sit down with people uh, during a conference, but uh, hopefully you find this useful information from Paul. I started out by asking Paul how he got involved with blow door testing in the first place.
1: Uh, an accident. Fate, essentially, as usual yeah. with these things. Yeah. I was doing an engineering design degree mm. and happened to do some work with a benefits rights organisation. Uh, yeah. got into fuel poverty work. Yeah. This is 35 years ago. Yeah, um, And Paul, fuel poverty is nothing new? No. Um, and then uh, had to do a dissertation for my degree and happened to get pushed towards this charity working with fuel poverty and tenants groups in London, mm-hmm. uh, which was funded by the GLC, the, the first uh, iteration of a London mayor with Ken Livingstone. So um, the GLC... Greater London Council. Right. Yep. Um, so now we have the Greater London Authority mm-hmm. because, and in between Margaret Thatcher abolished right. the whole system, yeah, yeah. Um, which is actually really interesting because the whole mayoral system certainly in the UK and it seems to me in North America and certainly in the US is really powerful towards passive house and quality construction yeah you know certainly the London mayor now is imposing requirements that go considerably beyond what central government is requiring Um, yeah so there's a mechanism that allows for that
2: for the the local authority to go
1: above well strictly um, there's no mechanism that stops it right The, the UK government a few years ago, the, the Conservative government said, we're going to ban this. We're going to stop local authorities mm-hmm. requiring more stringent yeah. energy efficiency. Yeah. But they never enacted it. It never got through the House of Commons, right. the, the Parliament. So it never got enacted. And for a while, everybody was going around saying, oh, we can't do it. They've told us we can't do it. Yeah, yeah. But then suddenly, you said, I'm going to they've told mm-hmm. us we can't do it, but they haven't done the law. So we right. can't do it. <laughs> so I think that's, that's another thing. We need to look for those leverage points yeah. where we can do things I mean, you know, what I got into fuel poverty work and me and people like me, who were getting loads of benefits, additions for people in fuel poverty, mm-hmm. caused Margaret Thatcher to change the benefit system, right. to make people poorer. You know, because that's, yeah. that's what conservative people do sometimes, or even government people do. Um, but anyway, I got into that and this charity was funded by the GLC for novel energy technologies. Mm-hmm. So in, in that context, um, you know, 30 years ago, that was airtightness testing, uh, so they basically paid for us to get equipment from Canada, the Regitech equipment yeah. that they're making Canada, Canada in Canada, well Canada and the US, um, and they paid for people from Regitech to come to the UK to train us. Right. So we basically set up an operation to do airtightness testing, we were uh, testing social housing in London, you know, we did a lot of social housing, we were looking at mould, condensation, yeah. Underheating issues um we wrote the first draft proofing specifications for the the whole you know if you like anti-fuel poverty how you know doing tenants going to tenants houses to do draft proofing Mm -hmm. and air tightness generally uh so we were involved right from the beginning um and that's really where it started so air tightness was part of a Whole range of treatments that you were looking at. Yeah. So you're looking at the insulation yes. as well? Yes. Yeah. And, um, and heating systems and, and advice for tenants, yeah. how to use heating systems. You know, we had um, one of the things that we really enjoyed doing, it was called the Tenants Energy Advice Service. Mm-hmm. We were working with tenants groups. Yeah. And essentially what we were saying is, well, your landlord, your council, your borough council yeah. usually says you can only have new. Uh, Storage heaters because yeah. they're cheap. That's yes. what they want. Yeah. But actually, you won't be afforded to heat your property right. because there's no insulation. The windows are single yeah, glazed. Yeah, it leaks yeah. like a sieve, etc., yeah. etc. Et yeah. So we were basically promoting, um, holi- uh, you know, holistic approach yeah. even back then. Yeah. So you know, we were managing improvement projects in. Not widely, because there was a lot of resistance, yeah. but, you know, so you get proper heating, you get insulation, you get new windows, you get draft-proofing. And, and that was a key thing, which you get trained to use it. Oh, right? interesting. Because, okay. I mean, we were, we were so involved... So training the homeowners? Training the homeowners. Well, not just well, the homeowners. Because they're not owners, right? No, no, tenants. But what we found, we had a... We called it, it basically came from the Barefoot Doctors concept. Right. We were working with tenants' groups, caretakers, mm. training them to be able to advise their neighbours and friends yeah. how to use their heating properly. Yeah. And who, really that who, ca- who were the homeowners in these, in these instances? Well, uh, mostly social landlords. Right. Uh, at that point, it was more local authorities. Right. Uh, some housing associations, uh, other not-for-profit organisations. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, gen- as a general rule, it was in... Um, social housing. yeah, yeah. And we, um, you know, we basically were developing this tra- uh, The, the re- One of the reasons for this was that this was when condensing boilers were coming in, mm-hmm. in the UK. And we had one project and they said, well hang on a sec, there's 300 condensing boilers yeah. been fitted yeah. and none of them, or one of them, is being used properly. Because yeah, right. well, they don't understand yeah, how to yeah, use yeah. them. Because yeah. it was completely yeah. novel technology. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, and the um, auditor of the council expenditure was saying you can't spend this money, this extra over, to get mm. g- better condensing boilers if you don't get people to use it. Yeah. So we were training their caretakers, we were training people, tenant activists how to use it and how to train. Uh, how to teach other people, yeah. yeah. And, and we the, the
2: same with Split System. Yeah, well, with, and it's it, come it back again.
1: Right, we've yeah. seen it. We've seen it yeah. come back again 30 years later with you know, you've got ground source heat pumps, air source heat pumps, yeah, you've yeah. got PVs, yeah. you've got solar thermal. Yeah. And the interaction of all of those on some of these retrofits is like, yeah. mind blowing.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and again, lack of training, lack of information. Yeah. I mean, we piloted, um, you know, we were doing videos yeah. with TV actresses on how to use your heating system. Right. Because, you know, t- I mean, it was videos, it was before CDs. Yeah. You know, and p- people could play it again and again again and again. And again. again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. YouTube, yeah. what was YouTube? Well,
2: and, and I guess, yeah, that, I mean, that was a significant investment yeah. back then. To yeah. it's, it, anyone can pull out like the camera nowadays, but back then, making a video is actually quite a thing. Yeah, oh, it was. Yeah. Um, how did you know that measuring air
1: tightness was important or even related to fuel poverty? Um, well, I mean, literally, you were going, uh, we were going around these social housing and we were seeing black mould, colonisation. Yeah. We were seeing cold spots, you know, uh, and we were testing it and seeing that it is the leaky building. Right. I mean, it's not, you know, absolutely it's not the only cause, you know, because you've got poor insulation, you've got single glazing, you've got thermal bridging, you know, which again was a concept we didn't really have at that point. Yeah. it was just, you know, we could do this thing. Yeah. It showed the difference. People could feel, literally feel it with their hand. But at this stage, I, I'm assuming that airtime testing wasn't really... It was a research tool. Right. It was only a research tool. Right. Uh, it came into the building regs in the UK in 2002 um, for non-domestic, for larger non-domestic. Right. And then later on, uh, it came into the regulations for sample housing, right. next iteration, yeah. et so, you know, 2002, but I mean, there were research organisations that had the Electricity Council, yeah. which is, you know, public sector, yeah. was doing research yeah, yeah. Uh, using blower doors, but they weren't commercial tools. Yeah. It was basically the Canadian government that funded the development of the door fan equipment yeah. as a, you know, robust, not, not a research tool, but yeah. as a practical tool. Yeah. Um, Out of the
2: lab and into, yeah. the, into commercial yeah. reality. So fast forward, you, you do this work for Greater London and focusing on fuel poverty. And then and what, the, what happens then?
1: You've, you've accumulated all this experience now of doing blow door tests. Well, that's true. and um, One of the things that happened, again with the social housing, um, it became clear that replacement windows were causing mold.
2: So because if you've upgraded your window, you suddenly start to get mold?
1: I mean, not it's not it's cause and effect, but mm-hmm. what the cause is because you've got rid of the draughts, right? So you've got old, usually steel, uh, single glazed windows that often are very leaky, poorly yes. fitting, poorly maintained in mm-hmm. the social housing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you've got quite a lot of concrete construction with wet plaster on the inside of masonry. Right. So the fundamental fabric is yeah. pretty airtight. You know, yeah. we yeah. had. Um, we call them H blocks because of the footprint, the shape in right. acne yeah. in nineteen nineties yeah. to achieving airtightness of two and three. Yeah. Right? Well the passage target now is 0.6. Yeah. It's not that far away. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. You know? Um, especially when we well, I mean we it's not uncommon for us to get houses which are up around fifteen. Yeah. So, you know, it's a whole Whole another yeah. um, factor, but of course,
1: in your your case, that would be a timber frame. It's timber frame. Yeah. It's not a concrete yeah, box with, with a, wet glass.
2: you're getting a, a house that's down to one, or two. By accident, probably. Yeah,
1: okay. yeah, and and, and it still happens by accident now. Right. <laughs> you know, don't don't kid yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a big project in London called Chelsea Barracks mm-hmm. which is redevelopment. Yeah. Um, and it's huge. It's huge. You know, it's a thousand workmen women on site yeah. typically um, and their target air tightness is 3 right but actually they're mostly achieving passive hours or near passive hours so
2: down to
1: point 0.6 point 0.6 point yeah. 0.7 and fundamentally I mean you know it's like if you've got curtain walling if you've got concrete roofs and floors yeah. and you've got blockwork wet plastered block work,
2: yeah.
1: then you you should be able to deliver yeah, good yeah, air yeah, tightness. Yeah. but you know it's still it's an accident yeah. it's a good job yeah. on that site that they'd planned to have heat recovery ventilation because otherwise they'd have a problem because they'd have to improve and ventilation because because sure. that's one of the... Um, I don't know what you call it, in the context of the UK yeah. you know, is that if your ventilation, if your air building is too airtight you have to increase your ventilation rates yep. for obvious reasons, yeah. you know, because... you not going to get air. Well, I mean, you're not going to get air. I mean, you're going to be able to breathe. It's, it doesn't but CO2's need. CO2 is going to go yeah, gonna gonna start to go up. Yep, yeah, CO2 is going to start go up. Yeah, condensation, mould, discomfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So all of that.
2: what happened between when that work started, you started bringing units in, and was,
1: did you say 2002? When that's what came into the building regulations. When, when, so, and what exactly came into the building regulations? It was a requirement to test non-domest, new non-domestic above a thousand square meters.
2: Okay, so commercial and commercial. industrial buildings yeah. had, had to be tested. Yeah,
1: and the, the first change was dropping that down to 500 and sample testing of housing, uh, and they started dropping the standards, you know, making it, right instead of having a backstop of 10, yeah. uh, which is their permeability rather than their changes to different units, yeah. um, it started, you know, coming down to 7.
2: So, that, yeah, so it, and was that, forecast, was that um, projected to the industry to say that's where we're going, or did they just start adding things?
1: Oh no, they have a whole process of risk evaluation, of uh, impact of these changes. So there's right. a whole consultation process right. yeah. that goes on to varying extents. So that, that mean, initial
2: introduction, though, didn't have a uh, performance benchmark? It was just, you just got to test the
1: building? It no, it, it had a type. The maximum was always set at 10 for oh, a so long you had, time. Oh, okay. So uh, but had the thing was, 10. in fact, you had to achieve 10 on any new building. You right. just didn't have to test it. Right. So I remember at the time, the, the Building Services uh, Institute was saying, well, can you go and look at a building and say it will achieve 10? Right, right. And, and I was saying no. And I can, I I can go and look at it and say yeah, if it yeah. won't achieve 10, probably. Yeah. But in order yeah. to know, you've tested it. mean quite we I mean, and we have
2: part, if you dig deep enough into, into our building code, there are somewhere, there are some numbers with, of like flow rates and things mm-hmm. like that, but no one ever tests them. <laughs> There's just an assumption somewhere that it'll happen if you do certain things.
1: Um, So where is that now? What's the current regulation? Well, the current regulations are being reviewed right now. Mm. Uh, Building regulations in the UK, part L is energy, Mm -hmm. Uh, part F is ventilation. They're both under review, allegedly to be issued for consultation by August. Right, yeah. But (laughs) no one's holding their breath at the moment. Uh, because suddenly, the UK government seems to have decided it is, it is urgent. Right. Uh, maybe, Amongst all the other things it's dealing with right now. Uh, yeah. There's <laughs> other wasting its time on Brexit. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but, so prior to that, what, where are the standards at? at the oh, well,
1: for, for a very long time, the backstop was 10. Okay, uh, so it stayed. Yeah, kind yeah. Of a what they said was, because what you had to do to, to conform to building regulations, you had to prove that you met a carbon target. Right, And the carbon target was based on a notional building yeah. with U values and air permeability values. Yeah. So they were basically saying, and, and then they said, OK, well, that's the original carbon target. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to improve it by 15%, yeah. 20%. Uh, you know, that was their way of doing it. Yeah. But you could still, I mean, until the last, I think it was the last change, that you could still have a building which you weren't going to test because you're only building one or two. So single units. Yeah. Uh, you could assume an air permeability of 15, and compensate with extra PVs or however oh, else right. to get the carbon the emissions was the down. Because yeah. energy as
2: opposed to the indoor air quality and yeah. other
1: measures. Yeah, I mean that's another interesting thing. that you know, We're starting to see the driver of air quality right. uh, becoming much more significant. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean we still need, one of the things I've been agitating for, we need a handheld meter that tells you if you've got mould. It just samples the air. Does such a thing exist? No, right. What, the, what you have to do now is you have to take a petri dish, yeah. blow some air over it, yeah. close it up, send it away, get yeah. it grown. Yeah, it yeah. And it's or, to, or takes surface swabs. And yeah, and it takes time and yeah. money. You yeah. know, yeah. we need, yeah. and you know, maybe oh, there's, there's certainly people looking at it and trying to work it out. Yeah, you know. yeah. But yeah. same and thing. Mean,
2: and certainly one of the drivers there is health, because oh, I know God. that UK, I think, is the only country that beats out New Zealand in terms of asthma
1: rates. It's worse than yeah. yeah that might be Scotland rather than the uk right. as a whole, or it might be the average because right. tri- Scotland is worse than England yeah. um, harsher climate harsher climate, death. poor housing yeah but yeah. i don 't know i don 't know how the average splits because of course the population of Scotland' is a lot smaller than England yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, no, I mean well, it 's one of the things that we talk about one of the the first big successful annuit project in the UK, which mm. was in Manchester, which is thirty-two maisonettes, which was finished in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. And what they're now saying, they're, the, the post-occupancy is saying, thirty-two households. Yeah. We had two households where, the, you know, a person was cured of asthma. Yeah. And one household was someone had another major respiratory issue. Yeah, yeah. So that's ten percent of households have got, and that's huge value to the health service. And that's not not to, you know, don't ignore the reduction in crime, the reduction in antisocial behaviour, the whole sense of community that's generated.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I've heard that from other presentations where they provide high Mm. quality, not not fancy, but um, good performing buildings
1: also reduces the crime rate. Um, Well, also, I mean, you know, and to be fair, there's other, for a social landlord, you also reduce your rent arrears or even abolish uh-huh. them. You know, obviously it's worth more than yeah. housing associations in the UK reckon yeah. passive houses worth £10,000 a unit on their asset register. Right. So it's worth something to really? them. Really? Is that official or is that just well, that's the, 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 the industry? Well, that's the housing association that's done most. So £10,000 pounds sterling pounds per house, per dwelling that has if a passive. house certification. Wow. Which, um, you know, it's not actually when you're in the context of, you know, even a uh, social housing in the right place in the UK could be worth, you know, 250,000. Yeah, it's yeah. not a huge a number, but it's not. It's percentage, not. but yeah. it's, it's there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, condition. but also the other thing is, you know, arrears are down void rates. You know, somebody comes into a passive house uh, and, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is, I mean, that's the whole, one of the major drivers behind the success in Exeter. In to City, mm. you know where they're now on their seventh passive house housing scheme, yeah. and they're now beginning, starting on the passive house swimming pool. Yeah. You know what they discovered very early on, because their idea, what was sold to them, when they weren't convinced originally with the architects, yeah. uh, was that if we give, we give, provide people with passive house, they will move out. You have got s- single, often single elderly mm. female, because the partners died, the families mm. moved on, they'll move into a new passive house flat mm. and you will get a bigger property which you need for mm. people on your waiting list. Mm. And they weren't at all convinced, but they tried it, it worked, and they had the, all these other things, you know, no arrears or, or very low arrears, yeah. you know, rapid relets, you know, no voids. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. They're management yeah. costs, it's a yeah. real saving on the management cost. Yeah. And it's one of my conversations out of this passive house conference, that the institute, I'll take up with the institute, is they need to be creating a standard approach to valuing benefit because there are all these added values right. which make an benefit you look more attractive. So it's more than just,
2: particularly for rental properties, it's more than just the upgrades to the potential capital yeah. value. It's all those other. Yeah. Um, I guess you got to look at the whole. Um,
1: it's, it's, cash flow it's it's in a sense land it's land going back to what I was doing. We were doing with the tenants advice service. Mm. You know, look at the holistic approach. Yeah. What are the holistic savings? Yeah, what are the yeah. savings yeah. to the health service in Manchester of those people no longer having asthma? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's um, huge. And if you could do that in Scotland, where the problem's worse, yeah. or New Zealand, if you've got that issue. Oh, we absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So,
2: now, if, if, I went, if I stopped somewhere on the street in, in England, in London, and said, blow a door, would they know what I'm talking about? Probably not. Air tightness? Probably not. What about if I spoke to an architect or, or a builder yeah. in, in the UK? Yeah, they'd know
1: about having to do testing on new right. build.
2: And would someone who's embarking on a building project, would they soon discover that? It's yes. going to be part of the process, yeah. so they, they just know, just accept that it's, it's there. Well,
1: sometimes they accept it, sometimes they rail against it. Right. But it is and, part and of the process. And why is that? What, what's... Oh, because for, I mean, it's changing, it's developed over time, obviously, yeah. but for a lot of builders, they've seen airtightness as a problem. It's a, a hurdle they have to jump over, which they'd right. rather not bother with. Because yeah. fundamentally, airtightness is a measure of quality. Yeah you know, it measures the quality of your construction. Yes. So if you're the traditional UK volume builder and yeah. you're happy to build down, it's not, they don't build up to a standard, they build down to a price. Yeah. And literally they employ people to look at how can we, can we avoid following these rules? How can we get around these yeah. standards to yeah. save yeah. us money? Yeah. The fact that they're delivering very poor quality housing that will need refurbishment in 20 years, yeah. Yeah. Or, it, or possibly knocking it down, which is insane. We don't have the global resources to waste yeah. on building houses that are gonna last 20 or 25 years. You know, That's, I, mean, I don't know if you've heard this story, the, um, one of the biggest volume builders in the UK, and Homes, were called into the House of Commons Select Committee and they went to approach it and they said, okay, we understand that the number of houses you build with the cost benefits you could get with procurement would cost you 50 million a year to make all of your houses passive house. And we know you couldn't do it in year one, but 50 million a year. And they said, yeah, sounds about right. Okay, and last year you paid your board members 650 million. Wow. And it's like, where do you, how can you ever defend that? I don't think you can defend that. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's like just the greed, mm. the commitment to profit and personal mm. wealth rather than serving the community. Shareholders rather than the stakeholders. Well, not even the share, I mean, did the shareholders know that the board members got that much money? Yeah, right. Even, I mean, they must do, because it's in the reports, but do they pay yeah, any attention? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's obviously a,
2: a bit of a political hot potato <laughs> as well, but it's basically established now, blow door testing, air tightness is, is established as part of the process, as part of the building process and people, um, there's an industry built up around it, now you've got ATMA and, and the work that they're doing and just more knowledge in the industry. Yep. So where, where to from here, where do you see things going in the world of flow door and air tightness?
1: Um, who knows is the fundamental, I mean really it's the whole extinction rebellion thing. Mm-hmm. The UK parliament, not the government, has said yes it's a climate emergency, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you respond to that? Uh, maybe you're heading your in the sand, probably, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Um, so that could, I mean, certainly there seems to be an urgency in the UK about changing the building regulations. Yeah. And one of the things that's likely to be in there is more onerous air um, and we hope, an end to sample testing. So every dwelling gets tested. Right. Every so building gets picking tested. And choosing yeah. Random. So rather than, and that's not random. Oh, is it not random. No, that's the one. They, get that's to all choose. we're going to test. We'll fix that one up and oh, do it. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, it's completely corrupt. Right. Right, yeah. right. And that's before you get to the place of the builders who are bribing airtightness testers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is definitely going on. Right. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, and are overlaid with all this, of course, is passive house. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And the fact that that's gaining traction, gaining interest. Well, it is,
1: but, you know, if you think about it, the UK government's aim is to build 300,000 new dwellings a year, mm-hmm. all right? And passive house is doing under 1,000, right, a year. So, you know, and at the moment, I think it was 210,000 last year, something like that. So, you know, they're getting towards it. But you have a uh, contradiction. You have the environment. Business and Environment Ministry, mm. who want maybe not passive house but quality housing, they see the argument you don't want to waste resources. Yeah, yeah. and then you have the housing ministry say so we want 300,000 and we don't care if they fall down a week later. Yeah. I mean, they haven't quite said that, but that's what the implication is. As long as it doesn't happen before the next election, yeah, like, <laughs> actually, as long as they fall down the day after the next election, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's that contradiction. Yeah, um, so in a sense, the climate. You know, you know, Extinction Rebellion, the climate change movement, might push that towards quality. Yeah. yeah. It might not. It might not work. Um, you know, because then there's the other question is well. Well, you know, if Greenland is going to, the ice is going to slide off Greenland within the next 20 years, so why would you bother fixing up a house that's... Um, it's got to be at least 20 meters above current sea level. There's a whole nother... There's a whole, a whole nother... Yeah, and of course, the other thing that the potentially there, and, and people don't get it, I said, you know, it could happen overnight. Mm. literally, the whole of Greenland, the ice on Greenland just could go, poof, into the sea. Because it's all, it's all you know, how much is melting underneath? How much is the friction? Where's the tipping point? Man, and it could man. be, it could be happening now. It's scary.
2: It's yeah, scary stuff.
1: and you know, of course, the other thing that does is the Gulf Stream goes away. Right, so the UK is now on a par with the temperatures in uh, eastern Canada. Yeah. So it's about nine degrees colder. Yeah. So forget yeah. about global warming for the UK and northern Europe. It could be global cooling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, that's why we call it climate change. That's the yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember
2: someone saying that um, 10 years ago, I first heard um, someone from the Rocky, Rocky, um, Rocky Mountain Rocky Institute. Institute Manage, yeah. saying that um, they call it global weirding. Yeah, sort of it, well, I mean, it, presumably in New community. Zealand,
1: are you getting more icebergs coming near
0: you?
2: Uh, well, and, and just messing up with things, yeah. yeah. Just um, wetter, wetness periods, drier, dry periods. More intense, just, more, more intense. fires, all of yeah. those things. Uh, yeah, really hard for, yeah, everything. In the meantime,
1: how's how's your, your company? Are you a sole...? No, I work for a small, um, well mainly they consult on off-site construction
2: right Um, but but you spend a lot of your time doing doing air blow i do testing i do
1: consultancy i uh, when i can i advise on designs because prevention is better than cure yeah training um you know we're waiting for some funding to come through for doing video training and stuff like that because you know it's it's the conversation we had say say the uk achieves three hundred thousand a year New houses, new yeah. new dwellings. Well, if we want to get a hundred thousand to be passive house, how do we enforce airtightness? Right. Because you so know there's a bit of advocacy work involved there. Well, it? advocacy, but also training. You know, it's like right. there are. Well, maybe there's ten people you trust in the UK to <laughs> test a passive house. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not a hundred certainly. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so it's a matter of up. up so how do you upskill, up-skill the whole industry? And this is before you get to the fact that the real problem isn't the new houses, the new dwellings, mm. it's the existing ones. Yeah,
2: yeah. And we have, yeah, we have those issues too. <laughs> hey, well, thank you. Thank you for uh, your time, but also for all your, uh, all your great work that you've done. And, and uh, it's for good, sure. um, you know, these people with things in multiple pies and stirring the pot occasionally, <laughs> it's all, always good. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks very much.
0: Paul Jennings, he is one of the most uh, experienced blow door testers in the UK. He's a member of Passive House Trust and uh, his company Aldis continues to provide testing, training and consultancy uh, across the UK and Europe as well. If you would like to become a blow door tester and test the quality of your own designs or your own building or perhaps even provide services similar to Paul where you can be a consultant and and provide airtightness testing officially on projects, then uh, Proclimate is starting to provide that training. So I'll put some links in the show notes uh head on over to homestylegreen.com forward slash 190 for the show notes on this episode and i'll put some links there for where you can provide some training which is coming up shortly after this and there'll be further training to follow as well because uh yeah it's starting to take off here we are <laughs> kind of 30 years behind the uk uh, but now's a great time to get uh, get on board and get yourself trained up, become a blow door tester, or even just find out more about how uh, how blow door testing and airtightness testing can improve the quality of your builds. And that is good for everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in. Love to get your feedback. You can always email me, Matthew at homestylegreen.com. Now go make a better place to live.